Release date September 22nd, 2023. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of TBD College Football. I'm one of your hosts, Joey. And I'm Mason. And I'm Isaac. Welcome to another episode, season four, episode six. This episode is entitled, Where the Boys Become Men. Because this Saturday, we got a lot of ranked matchups. I think six to be exact, but we got a lot of matchups. We've got a lot of teams coming in at 3-0, and a lot of teams just trying to prove themselves, and a lot of boys are going to become men this Saturday. We're going to start out this episode with our favorite segment, segment that we do. It's kind of like a review of the week before with a little twist. It's called Overrated, Underrated, where basically, if you've never seen it before, we pick teams from the last week, we rate them on their performance, and we figure out if they're overrated or underrated. Starting out with our first team, Georgia. Georgia, they got shut out in the first half by South Carolina, ex- except for one field goal. So they went into the half 14-3. to They did rally, however, in the second half, and they shut out South Carolina, winning 24-14. to And I will say this. This is probably, we've been doing this podcast for four years. This is probably the closest pick that I've made, or like the best examination of a game, pre-examination of a game that I've made. I called South Carolina to score and score early and lead early, and I called Georgia to sputter on offense early, which they did, and then in the second half, I said South Carolina would not be deep enough on offense and defense to keep up, and they weren't. Georgia, I said they were going to win by 13. They won by 10, so I was really, really close. I'll say this. Is it Carson Beck or is it Mike Bobo? That was a big question, right? Why wasn't the Georgia offense able to do anything in the first half? Because defense actually kept us in the game. Yeah, they gave up two touchdowns, but the way South Carolina was playing in the first half, they probably could have got more points than that. So defense kept us in it. Is it Carson Beck or is it Mike Bobo? As a Georgia fan and an analyst, I would have to say I think it's a little bit of both. I think that the play calling is not the most aggressive, but I think at the same time, Carson Beck was, you know, a little nervous. He wasn't playing that well. So I would say in the in in the second half, like Pate State Freight said earlier, that's <laughs> Josh Pate over on the Late Kick Show. He said in the second half, it looked like Georgia found an identity. And I think that's really important. I think they did. I think they did find an identity. I think that they started making plays. I think their offense looked a lot better. And I think that going forward, they're going to look a little bit better. I'll let you guys go first. What do you think about Georgia? Are they overrated? Are they underrated? Joey? I mean, I, it's hard to really say still. Uh, I mean, in comparison to other teams, I still think that, you know, Georgia's defense is, you know, the best, at least one of the best. Um, but, you know, on the, the topic of Carson Becker, Mike Bobo, I feel like it, it's kind of a situation where you see where you saw Clemson at and you kind of see them transitioning out of um, and that's, you know, you have these very talented quarterbacks, but, you know, the offensive coordinator is very conservative, um, I guess is the right word to put in there. So, I mean, between the two, I would probably say Mike Bobo is more of the reason why. Uh, and, you know, Carson Beck is just falling victim to it. Um, but because of that, I would probably say that Georgia is just uh, – I'll say they're a little under overrated right now. I, I think right now, you know, you, you struggle against the South Carolina team where, you know, you should have – this should have been your game to kind of wake up and kind of have the things kind of rolling through. Um, but it didn't happen whatsoever. So I'm going to say this. I think that as a team, I think Georgia is still right where they should be. You know, there's a lot of talk this past week with the AP. They were like, well, they didn't look great against a subpar South Carolina team, so why are they still ranked number one? And my answer to that is they've won 20 straight games. They're two-time defending national champions. There's no reason for Georgia to fall. 
Did they look rough in the first half? They did. I think as a whole, they're right where they should be. Offensively, though, I would say they're a little bit overrated simply because they did sputter early. The defense is still right where they should be. And so the question becomes, if they can get the offense clicking early with the defense they have, they'll be in business. But right now, I think Georgia looks good overall, but the offense does need some work. And I can answer your question, too, as to why Georgia didn't deserve to drop. There were a lot of teams in the top five this past weekend that hid behind a lot of points being scored in the second half. Michigan went to halftime up 14-6 to against Bowling Green, okay? Florida State, we all saw them, and they dropped because of this, but they, and that's probably why they dropped. They barely escaped Boston College at home. They won by two, and they're lucky that Boston College got hit with a face mask penalty on defense as Florida State was driving on a third down on their last drive of the game because they would have given Boston College the ball back with under two minutes to go, and all they need is a field goal to win. So super simple there. And then Texas, even Texas. Texas, they beat Wyoming, yeah, 31 to 10. It was 10 to 3 at the half. So that's that's my that's my issues with that. That's why nobody moved except for Florida State. Um, but as for me, I have Georgia as just right where they need to be. Because the one thing that people aren't talking about too is issues. Or the one thing that people aren't talking about either is is injuries. We have five offensive starters and five defensive starters. Lad McConkey, Javon Bullard, Roderick Robertson, a lot of injuries that, you know, they're not starting because of these injuries. Thank God we got Dejon Edwards back on running back. He went for over 100 yards, which is good because it's exactly what we needed. Because Kendall Milton, while he's playing, he's still dealing with an MCL strain. We need guys. We're, and, and that's the thing about depth in college football. Like, yeah, we're looking like we're sputtering on offense, but we also don't have, we also have a bunch of injuries. We also have a lot of people not playing when they because they're hurt so I think that's where it when it comes to I still have Georgia right now as you know right where they need to be with all of the changes and all the transition period like Joey was talking about and that's why I got them there next team we mentioned them just a second ago Florida State University they only won by two against Boston College uh it was a red bandana game BC played with a chip on their shoulder uh minus a defensive penalty like I talked about on uh, FSU's last drive BC gets the ball back, and they could probably go down and, and score a field goal to win the game. But I wanted to hand this one to Joey because he made an interesting point. We were talking about this game beforehand. Joey, do you think this is a trap game? Do you think that that's what happened? So do you still have Florida State underrated or overrated, and was it a trap game for Clemson? So I've kind of been saying this for the past few weeks now, and really I think Florida State's really right where they should be, around that 3-4 range as of right now. Um, you know, yes, I think this was a trap game, most definitely. I mean, you're going up against a Clemson team who you haven't won the, the past few years against um, at Clemson, which has been even more difficult for them to win at. Um, and, you know, this is the first kind of year that we're seeing Florida State kind of have everything put together. But I will also say that, you know, the atmosphere in Boston College during bandana, the bandana week is just immaculate. I mean, Everybody, football fan or not, are there to represent Boston College and to support, uh, you know, that kind of foundation uh, in that in that week. So, I mean, I think Florida State kind of went into that game thinking that they it would be an easy cruise. It definitely wasn't. Uh, with especially with that, I don't think they expected the environment to be so loud and you know energetic, but it was, and you know just a stupid play by by a player uh towards the end which could have you know changed the whole ending of the game 
But, you know, as we know, Florida State did win. So uh, as of right now, I got Florida State right where they should be. So I think I would, I would have to agree, first of all, that the atmosphere was a lot more than what I anticipated. I turned the game on after the LSU game ended, and I was like, this is intense. You know, all the players they have on, the white unis, the the uh, the trim is, is the shade of the red bandana. It's super sweet. You know, it says four wells on the back, and it's a, it's a tribute. And when you go into those kind of games, especially when you're a team like Florida State where you're top four, you're like, yeah, this is probably going to be a scrub. I would have to agree it was a trap game. I think that Florida State on Saturday showed that they are vulnerable, primarily on defense. I would give their offense – I mean, their offense looked great in the second half. Once Jordan Travis came back, they looked great. I would have to say that um, – I would have to say that, that their offense – is right where it should be the defense the defense is going to need some work and my question is how do you let the gas pedal off in a game like that all in all i think florida state is where they should be but they they're going to have to bring it this weekend when they come to clemson and and but i've got florida state right where they should be as of right now i'm gonna have to go right there with you guys i also am gonna have florida state is right where they need to be defense did look a little lackluster they looked much better in the lsu game but I think that it is a trap game. I think they're preparing for Clemson. I think they had to make the right adjustments. And also, BC came back because of a couple stupid turnovers on offense. And the offense has just got to get it together. You just can't you can't make those stupid turnovers. So I really think that's what it comes down to. Um, but yeah, I got them as right where they need to be. How about this, though? Florida State's older brother, Florida. We all picked them last week, Florida. We all picked Florida to win over Tennessee. It was the first ever TBD triple pick upset. We've never all picked an upset before. They won against number 11, Tennessee, and now they're ranked at number 25. So are they going to be able to repeat this success? And this is going to be kind of a double one. We're going to take a look at Florida and Tennessee. So will they be able to repeat this success, or does Tennessee just simply suck? Isaac, another SEC fan, what do you got? So I'm going to start off by saying that I'm so glad I picked Florida. I was I was very close to picking Tennessee in this game. However, after like midway through the second quarter and it was like 21 to three, I was like, "Yeah, that was a good pick. Florida's going to win this game." So I think I think that Florida sent a message to all the Napier doubters and said, "Hey, you know, we can we can win." However, I will also say that Tennessee is very overrated. Joe Milton is not the guy. I think that they were helped out by the fact that Joe Milton is not that great of a quarterback, in my opinion. Now, with that said, I think Florida, I think them being in Gainesville, they played at the Swamp. You know, Tennessee's not won there in, in 20 years now, 22 years, I think it is. 2001, I think it was the last time, 2003. So you're looking at 20 years. You've never won at your one of your most arguably most hated rival at their stadium. I think Florida is still underrated. I think they showed that they do have promise. And I'm curious to how they could have finished off had they not gone to the, to the run game specifically because of the laceration on their quarterback's hand, so on Merch's hand. So I say that to say that Florida, I think, is underrated. Tennessee, I think they're overrated. They, they still don't have a defense. They, they don't really have great, that great of a quarterback. And they can bounce back, but they're below the top 15 for the first time in a couple of years now. It's going to take some work in Rocky Top because it's a Rocky patch right now. I love that, Isaac. It's going to take some work in Rocky Top because it's a rocky patch right now. Dude, I was telling somebody that what I love about having a podcast is that I got the receipts, man. I got them right here. You can't just go back and say, well, I bet you didn't say that. No, you're just saying that because, no, here's the receipts. And I bring that up because I loved a point that Joey made last week about Joe Milton. He said, Joe Milton is not Hendon Hooker. He does not escape the pocket. And heck, he's got a cannon, but he's super inaccurate. And we saw it 
time and time and time again, not once, not twice, but multiple times throughout that Florida game. He just threw up balls hoping that the receivers would catch him. Super inaccurate. I think that also, you know, you got to give a lot of credit, though, to that Florida O-line. Sorry. You got to give a lot of credit to that Florida defensive line. They got in there and they got pressure. Um, so I just wanted to give Joey props for that because that that was right on. But Joey, Tennessee and Florida, you know, with Tennessee, they fall to twenty three, only two spots above Florida. You know, do they bounce? Do they bounce back? Can they bounce back? Or you know, are they just going to continue to suck? I don't think that ten- Tennessee necessarily will will continue to to suck per se um i think that florida had a really good game meanwhile tennessee had a very bad game you know you saw a lot of drops and you know inaccurate passes from joe milton meanwhile you saw florida's offense just staying on target uh, sticking to what they believe in the run game was absolutely phenomenal as we all know tennessee doesn't really have a defense people were talking about you know tennessee's offensive or defensive line you know sticking through and and you know overpowering Florida's offensive line, but it was quite the opposite, you know. So, you know, I think Tennessee can pull through this. I think that they're still going to have at least one or two more losses within this season. I don't think they're going to win the SEC or anything or be within the top 10 at all within by the end of the season. But I definitely think that from last week, Tennessee was overrated. 23 seems just about right at this point. Florida, though... I will say, and I just said it, I think Florida had a really good night. I do not think they should be ranked for it, though. I think that 25 is still too high, even though it's the lowest you can get uh, in the AP poll. I think Florida had a good night. I think they are a decent team. They have really good players, but they just don't have it all together. Um, When they have it together, they can be a top 25, top 15 team, but... I just don't see it this year. I think that this year is not necessarily going to be what everybody expects it after beating Tennessee. Um, but yeah, I, I got believe it or not, I got Florida overrated and Tennessee right where they should be now, but previously overrated. Well, let me ask you this since you brought up the rankings. Tennessee plays UTSA this Saturday. If they play them close and they play them not very well like they did against Austin P. Does the AP still drop them? We saw him do the same thing to Clemson. We've seen him do the same thing to multiple other teams. What do you think? You know, if it's a close game, then yeah, they, I, I I can't see why they wouldn't drop them out, other than them being an SEC team. Uh, but you know, really, you're looking at it, and you're you're looking at the AP polls, and you're you're seeing a lot of non-SEC and non-Big Ten teams getting into this top twenty-five. A lot of ACC and and Big 12 and Pac-12, mainly Pac-12 and ACC as of right now. But, you know, I I personally think, you know, you have Clemson who beat down on CSU. Yeah, they had a rough first half. They, for the reasons they lost to Duke, they had two two crucial turnovers, which turned into scores. Um, Florida State would know a lot about that because that's how they gave up so much, so many points to Boston College. But anyways... If Tennessee were to have the same result, if not a little bit worse, I don't understand why they wouldn't have the same result as Clemson. Um, but who knows? Yeah, and I mean, I completely agree with you on that one. I think that it's. I think that if they play UTSA close, they're they're going to drop. As for me, I have Florida overrated, and here's why: Tennessee 
is also overrated. They beat an overrated Tennessee team. I mean, dude, we all saw this. The Swamp is a really incredible place to play. It's super hard to go in there and win. Tennessee hasn't won in the Swamp since 2003. I mean, it, it's like the voodoo curse is what they're calling it. But no, I mean, Florida Florida was going to win that game. Tennessee, the defense, they can't, they can't defend over the top. Their run game was okay. It's what kind of kept them in the game. It's what got them down the field. But Joe Milton is so inaccurate. When you get pressure on him through that O-line, I mean, imagine if that was Georgia. I mean, I'm not really worried because because of Tennessee's O-line when it comes to that game. But for me, yeah, I got Tennessee as super overrated, and I got Florida as slightly overrated. And with that being said, we're going to move into our biggest games of this week. Time to pick some games. We're going to start out with our favorite segment. Well, not our favorite, but one of our favorite segments. The game of the week. Isaac, why don't you tell the folks what our game of the week is? Folks, our game of the week is 6th ranked Ohio State playing in South Bend at 9th ranked Notre Dame at 7.30 p.m. in what we're calling the most hated bowl. Yes. I don't know if they're actually the most hated teams in college football, but on this podcast, they're probably the most hated. We hate Notre Dame, and we hate Ohio State. We probably hate Ohio State a little bit more than we hate Notre Dame, but both teams we felt have been underrated in the past. However... Notre Dame, for the first time in the history of this podcast, actually looks pretty underrated. Uh, maybe it's just the Sam Hartman-Marcus Freeman train. Maybe there's people at this college now that we actually like. I don't know, but Notre Dame, for the first time in the history of this podcast, looks pretty underrated. Sam Hartman is killing it. Audric Estime, running back, a huge weapon on this offense. And the defense has looked better than they have in many of the years past. Uh, Ohio State, though, like every year on this podcast, pretty overrated. All OSU really has... Emeka Abuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., and that is probably the only thing that's going to make it difficult for the Notre Dame defense. However, though, if the Ohio State Buckeyes, if they can open up the run game, might make it difficult on the Notre Dame defense. I want to compare quarterbacks. I think this is important on this one. Kyle McCord from Ohio State University. He's 53-76 and 76 with a 70% completing rating, with a 70% completion rating, 815 yards, six touchdowns, one interception. Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, 64 for 90, 71% completion rating, 1,061 yards, 13 touchdowns, and zero interceptions. Now, we'll say Sam Hartman and Notre Dame, they've played one more game, so you know you have that because they played Navy, but that's pretty impressive. Sam Hartman's done a lot. Like I said, you know, Ohio State, they've played nothing but cupcakes. They've played Indiana, Youngstown State, and Western Kentucky. They had struggle wins against Indiana and Youngstown, and they finally kind of opened up and opened it up and made it look like their normal selves against Western Kentucky this past weekend. Uh, the ESPN FPI, Ohio State, 66%. The spread, Ohio State, 3.5. I guess I got to pick first because Joey picked first last week, which means in the rotation it's my turn. This one I think is going to be... Not close. I got Notre Dame to win this game in South Bend. Uh, I think that Ohio State, like I said, all they have, I mean, yeah, they got a good, run, pretty good running back, but I mean, all they got is Marvin Harrison Jr. to Mecca Abuka. Uh, I mean, and their defense is a little bit lackluster. I think Sam Hartman, Notre Dame, I think Audrey Gestime is going to run all over them, and I think that he's going to have the wideouts to get it done. Uh, yeah, the corners are pretty good for Ohio State, but are they good enough to stop that offense? We'll see on Saturday, but as of right now, no, nah, I got Notre Dame for this one. That's a bold pick, and I say that because Ohio State seems to always be the favorite in every game they play, which they are, 66% on the FPI, 3.5 on the spread. And listen, no disrespect to Notre Dame, but let's look at their schedule so far. They've played Navy, Tennessee State, they played at North Carolina State and Raleigh, and that game, 
course, was a little bit wacky because of the rain delay. And then you had Central Michigan. So, yes, is it impressive Sam Hartman has 13 touchdowns and no interceptions? Absolutely. But, again, who have they played? That's not to say that Ohio State's worthwhile. I think they're gross. I cannot stand them. With that said, Ohio State is favored. It's in South Bend. The Irish, that's a, t- that's a pretty tough place to play. I hope I get this pick wrong. I really do. But I'm going to go with the Buckeyes. I think Ohio State, I think that I think that they, they go into South Bend and get the win. Again, I'm going for Notre Dame. I want them to win. But it just seems to me that Notre Dame, and I could be wrong, Marcus Freeman's more defensive coach than Brian Kelly was. So Notre Dame may very well pull off the pick. I may be wrong. Uh, but I think the Buckeyes get it done against my own wishes. Everything in me wants to choose Ohio State, but the issue is not necessarily just Kyle McCord, but you have two of the one of the greatest wide receivers in college football right now, and he's not even getting the ball that much. Meanwhile, Notre Dame they have one of the better quarterbacks in, in the league right now, and you know their offense is rolling. Uh, their defense kind of a little questionable at the start of games towards the end they kind of get it all put together kind of warmed up i guess you could say i'm gonna go ahead and say only because i have experience of losing heartbreak in at notre dame i'm gonna go ahead and say notre dame uh wins this game uh but i think it's gonna be by a field goal and that makes sense. That's a really close one, right? Notre Dame by a field goal, kind of opposite the spread. I'd probably have Notre Dame by seven. I think they, they can get this one done. And with that being said, we're going to move into our big week four games. Yes, a lot of freaking big games this week. We've been waiting on it. We've been talking about it, like we said a second ago. Some of these are going to be really hard to pick. Joey has our first game. Joey, what's our first game? Our first game is going to be number four, FSU at Clemson at 12 p.m. Um, as we all know, Clemson hasn't looked... The greatest, but, you know, it happens. You know, sometimes we lose a game, okay? But FSU also hasn't looked that great either, referring back to the Boston College game. But they are number four. Their offense has looked stellar. Their defense, maybe not so much. Uh, So the biggest question here is, if Clemson wins this game, will they be put back into the rankings? And, you know, can Cade Klubnick handle this kind of pressure like can he is there going to be a bunch of turnovers like there has been against you know Charleston Southern and Duke where it kind of stumps us for the first half ESPN FPI FSU at 58 percent and then the spread FSU by a point and a half it's kind of close kind of closer than than the FPI kind of gives off but Isaac I'm gonna go ahead and give that to you (laughs) So let me just say that I'm not thrilled about picking first this game. I've been looking forward to this game since the Florida State and LSU game. And let me also say, number two, actually this is my, I got two number one points on this one. It's 12 o'clock game. I'm not happy about that because the winner of this game probably wins the ACC. But I digress. That's not up to me. That's up to the media. So with that said, Florida State, 58% on the FPI, um, one and a half point favorites. It's at Clemson. This game is going to be really, really close. I'm excited about it because you've got Jordan Travis. and Flor- Listen, after Florida State handled LSU, I was like, man, they're probably going to run the table. And then the Boston College game happened. And we could say it's a trap game, which I think it was. The Seminoles, they've, they've looked solid the first few weeks of the year. They're still ranked fourth for a reason. Clemson, unfortunately, is not ranked because of a few turnovers that they weren't, uh, they weren't able to not 
allow to turn into points. With that said, this game is at Clemson. Clemson's a tough place to play. I've got the Seminoles by a touchdown. I think they're going to go into Clemson and get the win. It's going to be a good one, but I think they cover. And the Seminoles, I'm excited to see what Jordan Travis does this weekend. But K. Klubnik might show up. We'll see. Yeah, man, I'm right there with you. I'm not happy it's a 12 o'clock kickoff either. I think you made a great point. I think the winner of this game definitely does go win the ACC. Uh, definitely not out of the realm of possibility. One loss is one loss. Clemson already has one ACC loss to Duke. FSU has zero. Could this be FSU's first ACC loss at Clemson? Yeah, I don't know. Clemson's defense looked a little rough against Duke. They even looked a little rough against CSU and uh, FAU last week. I think FSU, they're also having issues. I think this is going to be a really close game, but not that close. I got FSU by 10 points. I think that this is going to be a pretty good game. I got FSU coming in, uh, starting off a little defensively, uh, starting off offensively a little poorly, picking it up in the second half, and uh, maybe scoring, scoring a touchdown in garbage time. We'll see what happens. But for me, I got Florida State. I find it interesting you say Clemson's defense hasn't looked that good in the past three games. When the FAU game, second, third, and fourth strings were put in uh, in the third quarter, uh, CSU, yeah, it was a little rough, uh, mainly for the reason of the offense, which in the second half clearly put a beat down on uh, CSU as well as the defense. And even with the second, third, and fourth strings, CSU could not score. And then with the Duke game, uh, with Duke scoring so much, really, if you look at it, Duke did not score that many points on the defense. It was really the offense scoring on themselves because two turnovers, which turned into scores, where one of them was, for the CSU game, for example, one of them, the fumble was, the fumble was um, returned to the one-yard line, in which that's very difficult to defend when there's millions of plays you could possibly run and the other score for CSU was a pick six in which Kate Klubnick was being a young quarterback and just throwing it up into the air for some reason and uh, to avoid a sack Duke game kind of unacceptable but also again turnovers 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 well my my issue with the with the defense really came down to the Duke game because for as much as Clemson's offense sputtered and as poorly as Duke's offense played Duke's defense is kind of what kept them in the game. I mean, obviously, yeah, you have Clemson turnovers that don't help, and they give them back to the defense. Uh, but, I mean, Duke's defense is what kept them in the game, and the offense did play play well. So I'd say that Clemson's defense did just let them score too many points. I mean, they did their best, but that's that's really what I look at against a true but that's know, my point. team. But that's my point. Duke's defense played very well, keeping the Clemson offense – off the field more. The Clemson's defense was on the field longer than typically they should be facing a Duke offense well, with yeah, shorter I mean, field. Well, I, good. With a shorter field to score. And while I agree with that, I mean, I just, I would still say that I think Clemson's defense could have done more against, I mean, I know it's, you know, uh, Duke, but still, that's, that's just where I'm coming from. What's your pick? I got Clemson. I got Clemson by. A touchdown, I think that, you know, yes, having a mobile quarterback is tough to defend. I think this is really the first defense, no offense to Isaac, this is the first defense that has been kind of built for the past 10 years and hasn't really 
broken, really. So I, I got Clemson by a touchdown. I think their offense figures it out. And, yeah, I think their defense wins the game, though. That's going to be definitely an interesting pick for sure. I mean, because obviously the spread is going FSU's way. And, I mean, I think it's going to be a super close game either way. Uh, still got FSU. And I wanted to mention, too, that one of the reasons I think that I have FSU, too, is because of the inexperience of Cade Klubnik. Like you said, he makes he has made some young quarterback mistakes. Um, I don't know if it's going to be that big of an issue for Clemson, but I think when it comes down to it, it's, it's those mistakes that are going to keep them from winning this game. So this one, I'm excited about this one. We have 19th-ranked Colorado playing in Eugene against 10th-ranked Oregon at 3.30 p.m. This one I'm super excited about. I wish, honestly, it was another nightcap game, but I'm okay that it's not because I can get some rest for church on Sunday. It's probably the biggest test so far for Dion, no doubt about it. We've seen him beat a top-25 team, a Power 5 non-conference opponent at home, and... Obviously, the biggest thing being the comeback win against Colorado State in double overtime and the super late nightcap game for the East Coast this past weekend. Of course, a lot of people looked at Colorado and said, listen, Dion probably won't do that great against TCU, but again, it was TCU. This is not. This is Oregon. Bo Nix, he's looking pretty good so far. I mean, he's you should call him Bo Picks, but he's, he's came a long way. Two high-powered offenses, so we could see another another shootout, if you will. I mean, that's what this past weekend was against Colorado State. Now, offensively, Colorado matches up with Oregon. You look at Shadur Sanders. He's had a great few few games. I think he's thrown for upwards of 1,000 yards on the season. I'm pretty sure it's well over 1,000 yards so far. He's averaging you know, three, 400 yards a game passing. And you look at the way they've played so far, he's looked really good. But the question mark is on the defense. Colorado, offensively, is averaging 479 yards per game. However, their defense is averaging 460 yards allowed per game. Oregon, on the other hand, offensively, 587 yards per game. Defensively, they've only given up 286. So Oregon's averaging almost 600 yards a game. Colorado is averaging, given up, over 450 yards a game, and only 19 yards of difference between what they go for and what they go against. It's going to be a great game. FPI is Oregon, 94%. Oregon's favored by 21. It's in Eugene. I'm glad I'm not picking first. Joe, who you got? I got Oregon. It's kind of plain and simple for me. I think Colorado's a good team, but I don't think they're that good yet. I don't think they're put together as much as Oregon is, especially their defense. Their defense is is going to be what kills them in this game. Yeah, so this game comes down to not offensively, but it really does definitely come down to defensively. Who's going to have the better defense? And the thing is, is it's probably Oregon's going to have the better defense. Not to say, though, that Shadur Sanders and that offense can't keep up. I mean, they definitely can. I mean, a loss of Travis Hunter, though, that's a big thing on defense and offense. And, you know, we, we like to say on this podcast that, you know, one player doesn't determine it, and it has to be, you know, uh, it has to come down to depth. It has to be next man up. But losing Travis Hunter is like losing two to players. It's like losing your star wide receiver and your star corner, right? I mean, it, it's a big loss. And for that reason, I am going to pick Oregon, but I do not have Oregon to cover the spread. I think that, you know, they can keep up. I think that Colorado can keep up well offensively. I think the defense is what's going to shut them out of this game. And it's in Eugene. It's going to be tough. I got, I got them to win by 14, not 21, but 14. So I'll say this. I'll say this about Travis Hunter. It, obviously, it does hurt to lose him, and I would agree that it's almost like losing two players at once. The thing for him, though, is that in a game like this, I don't think he would have sustained both ways the whole game. I just don't, because it's going to be a shootout. 
And we can say, well, it's only the third game or the fourth game. And it's like, okay, that's fair. But all that said, I do hope he gets better. I hate he's going to miss this game because this is a big one. He'll, he'll also presumptively miss uh, the USC game, I think. And so that, that really sucks for Colorado. So all that said, I've also got the Ducks. It's a home game. It's in Eugene. I don't think that Colorado wins this game. I don't think Oregon covers, though. I, I like Oregon by 14, maybe 17, but I don't think they cover. I think that offensively it'll be a shootout, but I think at the end of the day, when you get probably late third quarter, Oregon's going to have a stop that's going to separate them from the pack, and the boys will become men. The Ducks will get this one. TBD triple pick, baby. Joey, who we got next? We got number 22, UCLA, at number 11, Utah, at 3.30 p.m. The biggest question is, is Cam Rising going to get back? Is he going to start? I think that's the biggest question for us, for the Utes. Um, you know, it, it's honestly a really good thing that, you know, Utah has their backup quarterbacks and they're decently solid. They've kind of given us a scare here and there, but they've held their ground. So good for them. UCLA, they haven't been really talked about a whole bunch, but, you know, their offense is very high-powered. Their defense, it's typical Pac-12, kind of meh. <laughs> Um, you know, but you know, their opponents so far haven't necessarily been the greatest opponents. So do we see an upset over Utah or does, does Utah pull out, pull out, uh, the, the, uh, we don't know <laughs> ESPN FPI Utah at 66%, but the spread says Utah by four and a half Mason, you're first. I'll make this plain and simple for you guys, man, UCLA. They got a good offense. They really do. I think that the opponents they've played, while they haven't been, you know, power five, they definitely are a group of five and top five in those conferences. Um, Utah had a scare last week against Baylor. I, I, I am really looking forward to seeing Cam Rising start again. I say that if Cam Rising does get to start this weekend, finally, they definitely win this game. And I say that if the backup quarterbacks get to start, though, Utah's still going to win. I got them. Seven points. Easy. Uh, it's at Utah. I think that, you know, UCLA is still going to be rebuilding after the loss of, you know, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I don't smell upset. I think, it, I mean, anything is possible right within the Power Five in the same conference. But not for me. I got Utah. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Mason. Salt Lake City is a great place to play. It's tough. It's a great place to play for the Utes. It's a tough place to play for everybody else. If Cam Rising gets the start, Utah definitely wins. If he doesn't, I still think they'll win. I don't think UCLA is going to be quite on par to go in there and get the win. I like the Utes. I like them by seven. Uh, actually, I like them by ten. I think they'll cover and then some. It's going to be a good game, but I think that uh, I think the home team comes out with this one. I think one big is one thing is big between the two of these is one has a defense and one doesn't. Uh, meanwhile, one has a really good offense and one has, well, with Cam Rising, a really good offense and without Cam Rising, a pretty just below good, but not like mid. It's kind of like one of those things. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take Utah. I think it'll be a close one. I think, you know, even though UCLA doesn't have a defense, I think that their offense can get around the Utah defense. Uh, I got them by three. So you do not have them to cover. Mm. That's interesting because I think it will be a pretty good game though. Either way, I think because Penn State has been because excuse me because UCLA has been so overlooked, I think it will be a good game. This next game though, this is one that we're super excited about just because one of these teams sucks, the other one's actually kind of good this year. Uh, this is number fifteen Ole Miss and number thirteen Alabama at three thirty p.m. Wow, 
I haven't heard number 13 Alabama in quite some time. I had to take a double take. Yeah, 13, 13 Alabama. Uh, Bama, they look like hot garbage. I'm just going to be straight up with y'all. Uh, they tried to sell us Jalen Milrow against uh, Middle Tennessee in week one, uh, but he looked okay against Texas, but mm, not good enough. Notre Dame transfer Tyler Buckner got the start last week at South Florida, and uh, it, it, it kind of looked like he just forgot how to play quarterback. He, he does not know how to make reads. Um, this is one of the best Alabama defenses that we've seen. They're really good, but their offense does not reward them. Uh, Alabama ended up getting the dub 17-3. to uh, Going into the half, though, it was 3-3. to And going into the third quarter, it was 10-3. to They scored another touchdown for style points in garbage time. And uh, ugh, they're not fooling anyone, though. You know, you can say that was a trap game, but was it really, or do they just suck? <laughs> um, I mean, seriously, Ole Miss, they've looked pretty good. They pulled out wins against uh, Tulane and Georgia Tech, uh, but that defense, uh, it's definitely an issue. Uh, Ole Miss went into the half losing to Tulane, I think, and then they also went into the half, you know, up by, you know, I think a touchdown or two on Georgia Tech. You know, with how poorly Alabama's offense has been playing, it shouldn't be much of an issue for the Ole Miss D, but Alabama's defense, however, that that might be a problem. That might be an issue for Lane Kiffin's offense, so uh, we're about to see what happens. The ESPN FPI on this game is Alabama 66%. The spread is Alabama by 7. Looks like they're pretty much in agreement. Isaac, is this a hard pick? Is this a tough pick? It's at Alabama, playing in Bryant-Denny. Who you got, man? I'm going to say this. Bryant-Denny's a tough place to play. It's a place that not many... Not many people, you could call it honorary Death Valley if you really wanted to because not many opponents go in there and get wins. With that said, Texas just did it two weeks ago. Alabama, 66%. Sam Bryant-Denny, good defense. Lane Kiffin's always been an offensive guy. He's putting together a decent defense at Ole Miss this year. But the question mark still becomes, if their defense is there and Alabama's offense isn't, this one could be really, really close. 66%. The spread is Alabama by 7 Obviously, I want the Rebels to win, but I'm going to say that I'm going to go with the Tide. I think they win this one by a field goal. I think that they squeak it out solely because of the defense. They will get a stop late in the fourth that will put them over Lane Kiffin, and he'll still look for his first win as a former assistant of Sabins. But this one's going to be close. Again, I want the Rebels to win, but I think the Tide will pull it out. I mean, this year, this game, I feel like is really the first real chance that Lane Kiffin has had to pull this out. And I think if he doesn't take this opportunity now, he's not going to beat Saban again. He's one of the only former Saban assistants to not have a dub. Jimbo Fisher has one. Kirby Smart has one. And now Sarkeesian. Steve Sarkeesian now has one after Texas beat Alabama two weeks ago. So this one's going to be crazy. This one's going to be close. I think they're going to be tied going into the fourth quarter. It's going to be poor offense versus poor defense pretty much this entire game and I think yeah they're going to go tied into the fourth quarter and I think they are going to I think Bama's going to kick a field goal to win it as the clock expires so yeah I have Alabama I think that it's going to be a really big defensive matchup late in the fourth quarter and you know with Jalen Milrow he is starting this game I think that it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I mean, they're not going to play like they did last week against South Florida. I think they're going to play well, but I think that Ole Miss is going to match their level of play offensively. I think it's going to be air raid. I think Keenshawn Judkins is going to go all over him, and I think that that's what it's going to come down to. So, yeah, I got Alabama. I definitely think that Bama pulls this out. I think 
Honestly, I think he's the better quarterback option out of the three that they're looking at. Um, I think he has the dual dual threat that they really need to be successful in this kind of game. And when it comes down to Ole Miss, they don't have a defense. So I think it comes down to defense, and Alabama has the better of that at least. And I think this is the game that they kind of pull, pull themselves together in a sense. Uh, I don't think they're going to be like SEC champions or anything like that, but I think that they'll they'll make a, a their name known again. All right, well that's going to take us into our next game, which is BYU at Kansas at three thirty p.m. in Lawrence. So both teams are three and zero. That's not something I expected to say, especially about Kansas football. That is, Kansas started out looking they looked they looked pretty solid last year until they met up with TCU late in the season at week six. They're looking for a fourth straight win. Can they grab it? BYU is coming off a, a big win against Arkansas, and that's a big deal because Arkansas is an SEC team. Now, are they a top-tier SEC team? Eh. But they are an SEC team nonetheless. Both offenses are looking uh, really good, so the question becomes, whose defense? Whose defense will overcome the other? It should be a great game. This one's in, like I said, it's in Lawrence. You got BYU coming off a big ACC win. Kansas looking to go 4-0. The ESPN FPI has Kansas at 56%. Uh, looks like the spread is in pretty much agreement, maybe a little bit on the far end, if you will. It's at 9.5 points in favor of the Jayhawks. Joey, who you got? Man, I just got to say, I got Kansas. Uh, I think that, you know, unless they don't, keep those ugly freaking uniforms oh like they were nice but they weren't at the same time it was weird dude it was like oh my gosh i really like them never mind no i don't uh but yeah i got kansas i think dude their offense is just so good and this is a different this is a this is a different kansas team um than we've seen in, in years past and although byu is good um I, th- I think this is a tough opponent. I don't think they can get past it, even though they just beat Arkansas. Uh, yeah, I got Kansas. They couldn't beat Art Kansas, but they or they they could beat Art Kansas, but they couldn't beat Kansas. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I got Kansas. I mean, there's nothing really to it. I mean, I've only watched their offense one time this season, and it was uh, against Illinois. They looked super high powered. Looked like they could get the ball downfield. Jalen Daniels, he's playing great ball. So I mean, I I got them to win this easy. I, I say they win. I say they cover. I got them by ten. That sounds good. Yeah. All right. This was not really that hard. I got the Jayhawks as well. I think it's in Lawrence. I mean, listen, BYU is not a bad football program, but I think the Jayhawks beat the Mormons in this one. I like them to cover. I like them by 10. And that's going to take us into our next game, which is my favorite game of the week, and that is Arkansas playing at 12th-ranked LSU at 7 p.m. It's in Death Valley. It's in Baton Rouge. Looking forward to this one. Arkansas, like we just mentioned, coming off a loss to BYU. We could talk about it. Should should an SEC team lose to a to a Big Twelve team like BYU? No, but they did. LSU, on the other hand, coming off a massive win against Mississippi State, they've looked like a different team since the Florida State game. Now, one of those games was against Grambling, so I don't give that one much weight. But they looked really good in their SEC debut or the SEC opener, I should say, in Starkville on Saturday. Malik Neighbors. 13 receptions, had 239 yards, 188 of which were in the first half. He finished fourth on the single or on the one half um, record on the record books, right behind uh, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, who had the record at 199 yards in a single half. 
It's Saturday Night in Death Valley, the battle for the Golden Boot. This one's going to be a good one. Last year, LSU went into Fayetteville and won this one 13-10. This one had my nerves the whole way because we didn't win it until a forced fumble by Harold Perkins. Harold Perkins, this was his coming out game last year. He had six tackles, two forced fumbles, and three sacks for 27 yards. Against Mississippi State, LSU had four sacks, seven tackles for loss. They looked really good. They really, really did. They looked like the team that everybody said they were going to be, that Brian Kelly said they were going to be coming into the season against Florida State, which, by the way, they were not in week one. LSU, uh, FPI has LSU by 89%. The spread are the Tigers by 18. Mason, you got first. Who you got? Well, I got to eat my shoe, bro, because I picked Mississippi State to beat them by 10 last week, and they only, and they and they lost by almost 30. Uh, so so uh, definitely LSU looks like a much different team. Uh, Mississippi State's defense was very lackluster, so I guess I just read it wrong against Arizona, or Arizona just sucks. Um, probably, probably the latter. Um, yeah, the spread, LSU by 18, and you know what? Uh, I doubted them last week, and I'm not doing it again. Tigers looking really good right now, and Arkansas is Arkansas. And this year, it's at LSU. Death Valley is probably one of the, or if not the toughest place to play in the SEC. This is easy for me. I got LSU by 20. Yeah, I I don't think there's much to really explain here. I got LSU winning this by, I don't know, about 20 now. I got them by 14. I think Arkansas gives them a little bit of a test. I think they're kind of a little PO'd by the last game. Um, and, yeah, I, 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 got, I got LSU by 14. Now, I want to go back to what Mason said just real quick. Obviously, I got the Tigers. I think I got them by 17. I think they'll finish just under the spread. But I do want to say, got pressure on Will Rogers this past week, but he looked uncomfortable in the system. I'm just going to say that. You know, he, I think going into the fourth, I think it was in the fourth quarter, they had only recorded like two first downs. And, or maybe it was one, and they had like five in the fourth quarter. They didn't look comfortable. It's a new system. I understand Zach Arnett is going more defensive-minded, not an air raid. I understand. but the, So I'm not going to fully trash Mississippi State because, again, first-year coach, new system for Will Rogers, who's all, he's one of, the most successful, um, one of the most successful passers in SEC history. He's, been, he's looked really good. Mississippi State, they just didn't have a great day. I like the Tigers in this one. It's Saturday night in Death Valley. It's a rivalry game. This one's going to be a good one, but obviously I like them. I like them by 17, and uh, go Tigers. Next game is number 14, Oregon State at number 21, Washington State at 7 p.m. Both teams kind of looking solid, kind of looking solid, at least offensive-wise. Um, Oregon State, of course, have, has DJ Uyagalale, who was not a success at Clemson, but for some reason is a success at Oregon State mainly because they built their system around him instead of around him building himself around the program. Uh, meanwhile, if anyone Washington, is wondering why uh, Joey, why I gave Joey this game, that's why. Yeah, I just realized why you gave me this game um, as I was speaking. Um, so, yeah, so Oregon State not really facing many great opponents until now. So is this really going to be a test against that offense, see if they can actually – still be productive as they have been. Um, FBI, Oregon State at 66%, and the spread is Oregon State at 2.5. Isaac, I'm going to let you go first. Well, I'm going to say this. As we pointed out, Washington State has already beaten a power five ranked, a ranked Power 5 opponent at home in Wisconsin. Oregon State, I understand they're ranked higher. They're favored. 
I've got the Cougars. I think Washington State is going to handle Oregon State. I say handle. Let me rephrase that. I think they're going to beat them. I like them by a field goal. I think this one will be a great game. It will be a matter of offense versus defense. Again, both teams are solid. But I think the Cougars get this one done because it's at home. If it was the other way around, I would go with the Beavers. But that's not the case. Washington State takes this one. Yeah, man. I, I think that it, it really comes down to, like I said, you know, Oregon State hasn't faced that Power 5 uh, opponent. Meanwhile, Washington State has a win over one being Wisconsin. I, I think that it's at Washington State. I honestly have Washington State winning this. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it's it really could be either a shootout or really a game of field goals. It's one of those games where it really depends on who steps up or, you know, which side of the ball steps up. But I got Washington State by a touchdown. The last time we looked at Washington State, it was when they played Wisconsin. The thing that I said about that is that complimentary football is what wins in football now. And what that means is is that it's great offense and great defense. You have to have both. You can't just have a super high-powered offense. You know, look at Alabama and Tennessee last year. They had a great offense, but no defense. And you can't just have a great defense. Look at Iowa. Iowa has a great defense. How many games did they lose last year? No offense. You have to have both. It's what wins in college football now. Um, You know, this game... Well, then that's the thing about this game is both of these teams, they have a great offense and they both have great defenses. So really, it, this is really going to be a game of which team is truly better because if they both have great of each, you know, it's going to come down to that. And uh, I think that because of DJ Uyagalale being at Oregon State, he's not trustworthy. It's at home for Washington State. I'm going with Washington State as well. This is the second week in a row that we've had a TBD triple pick upset. Uh, so I don't know why these are happening all of a sudden. I guess because college football is just really weird this year. Maybe that's the theme. The theme or the word for college football this year. Weird. I'm going to put a little thing that says weird across the screen in between my hands. It's going to be cool. Uh, but yeah, I have I have Wazoo as well. I think that uh, I think they I think they pull this one out. Uh, not going to be not going to be that much to talk about here. Uh, but we do have another game we're going to talk about for you. Got two more left, and uh, this one is not on a lot of people's radar, but it's definitely on ours, and it should be on yours. This is App State versus Wyoming at 7 p.m. Uh, both these teams have taken top 25 opponents to the wire. App State took UNC to overtime just two weekends ago, and Wyoming played Texas extremely close until the fourth quarter uh, just last weekend. Um, and also, Wyoming, they beat Texas Tech in week one at home. Uh, so this should be an extremely close matchup. This should actually be a pretty good game. I wanted to compare quarterbacks here too. Aguilar from App State, he's 1585, 59% completions, 690 yards, nine touchdowns, two interceptions. Peasley from Wyoming, 29 for 50, 58%, 350 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. Uh, so these stats, like they go back and forth, they're, they're, they're pretty close, but at the same time, they're not, I think this is going to be a really good game. The ESPN FPI is Wyoming 60% spread is Wyoming by two and a half. So I think that this is definitely going to be a close game. I'm kind of glad I don't have to pick first, but Joey, who you got? Kind of not glad that I have to pick first. Um, between the two, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of difficult. I think Wyoming has the better developed defense between the two. Uh, meanwhile, both have kind of around the same kind of caliber offense. But I'm gonna have to go App State. I gotta, I gotta stay local. Um, 
I gotta go with the boonies. All right. So this one, this one's tough because we said the other week that App State is a team that they just they tend to beat teams they have no business beating. And I will add, they should have beaten UNC and Chapel Hill, but nonetheless, they didn't. This one's gonna be good. Wyoming, you know, they gave Texas everything they could handle for three quarters last week. App State. They got off to a slow start in the first half against East Carolina. Figured it out in the second half. Ended up winning by 15. Students rushed the field. I think that was more of a, a pride thing. All that said, I'm going local. I'm going with the Mountaineers. Again, they beat teams they shouldn't beat. They should beat Wyoming. This will be a good game. And I'm going to go with the local boys as well. Got the boonies. Roll ears. This one's tough because both these teams have played extremely well. You know, you have App State, who has a history of upsetting these teams that they that they really shouldn't, um, taking them to the wire. Um, Wyoming, though, on the scene all of a sudden, you know, beating Texas Tech, taking Texas to the wire, kind of playing out of their hand like they don't normally do, um, playing extremely well. But I feel like App State, you know, they kind of have that edge to them this year. And so that's why I'm going to pick Wyoming, baby. Give me the give me the freaking Cowboys. Yeah, Isaac said he knew it, baby. He knew I was coming for the triple pick because I haven't done one in a long time. Uh, yeah, I got Wyoming this week, man. I just think that, that they're just playing really good football right now. I think the teams that they've played are much better than North Carolina. I think the teams that they've played are much better than the teams that App State has played. I think Texas is, is leagues better than North Carolina. Um, I think that I think that App State is going to lose this game, and I think Wyoming, I think Wyoming is coming out on top. Will they cover? That's the question. Ooh, will they cover? Yes, I'll I'll take Wyoming by three. I think it is a close game, um, but give, give me give me the Cowboys by three. Josh Allen on the water, baby. <laughs> And that takes us into our next and final game. Number 24, Iowa versus number 7, Penn State at Penn State at 7.30 p.m. It's big, big, it's, whoa, it's a big, big 10 matchup. Uh, it's, on, it's at prime time. Uh, it is wide out for Penn State at the Beaver Stadium, which if you don't know already, is an, it's a massive environment. It's. Which is you surprising think, to me that they're doing it here and not at the Ohio State game, because that's at Penn State this year, isn't it, or is it not? It is, yeah. Uh, so it's really all on the line for Penn State this year. You know, they really have to win this game in order to kind of have a shot against Ohio State and and Michigan, I believe. Um, you know. If you really look at it, I think Penn State has one of the tougher schedules in the Big Ten, so this is just going to show how they match up for the rest of the season uh, coming out of this game. So Penn State, they do have the FPI at 87%. The spread does have Penn State at 14.5 points, which is kind of crazy because Iowa has a great defense. Meanwhile, Penn State has a little bit of both, as Mason was saying earlier, complimentary football. Speaking of Mason, Mason, why don't you go first? So, obviously, at quarterback at Iowa now, you have Michigan transfer, Cade McNamara. He's now starting after he lost the job to J.J. McCarthy at Michigan. You know, he's really looking to get Iowa into the conversation. Uh, you know, with that Penn State defense, this, this, is, this is not going to be an easy game for him, you know. Um, you know, and the other question I feel like I have is that, or the other statement I need to make is that Iowa has to win this game if they want to one stay in the conversation, but two, like you know, stay or one stay in the top twenty-five, but two, just stay in the conversation that that you know they're one of the top three, top four, top five teams in the Big Ten. Um, you know that is a pretty big spread, fourteen and a half in Penn State's favor. 
Um, but I think that, you know, Vegas has some merit on that. I think Penn State's a good team, and obviously I got Penn State to pit, to win this game. I got Penn State... I'll say I got Penn State by 17. I think that probably get a... Probably, I think that it's probably close because of the defense, but I think that Penn State will probably pull away in the second half, probably late in the third quarter. I'd say not even wait until the fourth. They'll probably pull away by two touchdowns and maybe kick a field goal on one of their last drives. So that's what I got. I got Penn State on this one. So this is the second year in a row that Penn State could have done the wideout against a, a serious opponent, and they didn't. Last year it was against Minnesota. I just looked it up because I knew it wasn't against Michigan last year like it should have been. This year it's against Iowa. I don't get it, but the Penn State wideout is awesome. I hope to attend that game one day. All that said, I've also got the Nittany Lions. I like them to cover. I think I think I like them by seventeen. I think that they'll handle Iowa. I mean, you got one hundred eight thousand people all wearing white. I mean, it's a tough place to play. It's Saturday night in Happy Valley. Yeah, I like the Nittany Lions in this one. I mean, I think it'll be interesting, and I think Iowa may throw some punches early, but long term, no chance. Yeah, man. I think that I I genuinely think this is going to be a closer game. At least I hope. Now saying that. Um, I do have Penn State winning this game, uh, but I, I definitely think that Iowa early in the game is going to be tough defensively. It's just that offense, man. They can't get anything together no matter how long they've been working. Um, so, yeah, I got Penn State in this game winning it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Obviously, we got a lot of huge matchups this week. We're super excited. We know this is probably a little bit of a longer episode, but for those of you that stick through, uh, you know, and stuck through, you know, we're super thankful for you guys. We are praying for you guys. Want to mention our TBD prayer request. We do have those up on our Instagram. Go fill out that Google form. We, we really want to pray for you guys. And like we take praying for you guys seriously. Like, we pray for you before every recording, after recording sometimes. Like we're, we're really thankful for you guys. And with that being said, always remember. No matter what team you pull for, if you're on God's side, you're always on the same team. We love that tagline because it really makes it, you know, known that we are on the same team. We're pulling for you guys. Like we want you guys to come to know Jesus. And the Bible tells us in John 3:16, God so loved the world that he sent his only son that whoever shall believe in him shall not perish but live an everlasting life. Guys, there is more beyond this world. Heaven is for real and hell is for real. It's not just about, you know, Want, not wanting to go to hell to follow Jesus. It's following Jesus because you love him and because of everything that he's done for you. I could speak of the, the works of the Lord and the, how good he is and the hope he gives and the love he gives and the mercy he gives for days and days and days. And, you know, there's a line from this song I wanted to pull up. It's called 139, based on Psalm 139 by King's Kaleidoscope. This is the character of God. You heard my heart first heartbeat before I could breathe. Before my first cry, you knew me. You knit me together when I was conceived. When I was designed, you knew me. Guys, the Lord loves you. He designed you. He created you. Before you were conceived, he, he created you. God wants a relationship with you. He wants to know you, and he loves you. If you have any questions about that, if you're dealing with anything, hit us up on Facebook. Send a message through our DM on Instagram. Leave a comment on this YouTube video. We want to hear from you guys. We want to talk to you guys about the gospel. And the gospel is that you are a sinner who needs saving from that sin, Jesus bore your penalty. The only person who could bear that penalty, Jesus, died on your behalf and now has made could made you right, could make you right with God. Believe it today, repent and believe the gospel. Guys, we love you. We thank you so much for listening. We look forward to seeing these games this weekend. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. We love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and we'll uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Later. <laughs>